Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. It is uh, Thursday, June 4th, special night. Usually we're on Wednesday nights. But uh, I was unable to uh, do the show last night, so I'm coming at you Thursday, at a di- also an earlier hour, 6 o'clock. Uh, everything's quiet here, so I figured I'd get a show in. figure I'll be with you for the next eh, 45 minutes to an hour or so, talking talking fantasy sports. Uh, excited to be here. As you know, Fantasy Sports, Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show is brought to you by the Dynasty Sports Empire. It's a proud member of the Fantasy, Sport, Fantasy Sports Podcast Association. You could follow us on Twitter at A Aniano Fantasy and on Facebook, uh, our show page, the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show page, right there on Facebook. Jump on there and get all the latest updates and goings on about the show. And if uh, if you're not listening to us live and you're listening to us on demand on Blog Talk Radio, don't forget you can also download, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. So make sure you check us out there as well. And uh, listen to us on whatever devices you may have going on. A lot going on in in the world of sports, and, and the phone lines are open if you want to talk about any of those at three four seven eight three eight eight zero eight eight. That's three four seven eight three eight eight zero eight eight. Chat room is open as well uh, for those of you listening live at this moment. If you have any questions or comments or anything you want to talk about in the world of sports, we'll uh, we'll talk about it tonight. Uh, flying solo tonight, Eric, my longtime. Co-host, um, newborn, still uh, still tending to some family stuff, but he'll be back with us uh, within the next couple of weeks, and uh, looking forward to his return as well. So we got a lot going on, a lot of football. Football's on the horizon. There's no denying that. We're into the month of June now. Uh, you know, fantasy football drafts. Maybe you're starting to plan your date sometime in August especially if you're trying to get together and do an in-person draft, which, as we know, gets harder and harder as we get older and older. But uh, that work is starting to be put into place, setting that date. Uh, you're starting to do your research. The publications are out. The websites we know are constantly being updated. Uh, at the same time, we're really now beginning the, the rush, the, the pennant rush, I guess you could say, of fantasy baseball. We always say wait till Memorial Day and then reevaluate your roster. Well, Memorial Day has come and gone, and now you really got to take stock of where you are. Who do you have? Who's overachieving and you want to sell high? Who's underachieving and out there maybe you buy low? And who at this point are you just done with and willing to give up on? Uh, that's the point you should be in your fantasy baseball season. And, uh, you know, some interesting stuff has gone down in baseball, and we'll talk about all of that in a few minutes. But before we get to the baseball, I want to start with some football. Uh, as many of you know, I am a member of the Sirius XM Dynasty League. Uh, it's a 16-team, two, I should say, 16-team drafts. Uh, the North Division and the South Division, and then the division winners meet for a championship. So it's technically 32 teams. But of those 16 teams in each, the players can duplicate. And Dynasty, I inherited a team uh, three, four years ago. Uh, Been an okay team, tough. Andy Dalton was my quarterback that I inherited. And really, other than that, I didn't have much. And it's been a constant struggle to find a nice balance, add some nice pieces, 
and most importantly, eventually add a quarterback. I got to be honest, last year it looks like I struck out. Uh, I traded like crazy, and this time it's last year, rookie-only draft. Remember with the dynasty, you're only drafting the incoming rookie class. So last season I was active. I, I think I, in a six-round draft I ended up with eight picks. Some I hit. I hit. I felt very good about Kelvin Benjamin. Um, a couple of other players I thought went well for me. Zach Mettenberg showed, uh, Mettenberger of Tennessee showed promise. I was excited about him going into the season until the Marcus Mariota draft pick to the Tennessee Titans. Mettenberger now. I'm trying to actually trade him to the, uh, the team that drafted Marcus Mariota. That was PFF Fantasy with the ninth pick in the first round. Took Mariota, hoping maybe I can get a late pick as the draft is still ongoing uh, for Zach Mettenberger. So I had a few things on the on the ball going on here on the hot stove, I guess you could say. And I sat at the fourth overall pick. And the draft kind of went as I thought it would. Todd Gurley, the rookie running back uh, from St. Louis, he went number one. Melvin Gordon of the Chargers went number two. Uh, I thought maybe would Gordon would go one. Only because I think his path to playing time is a little clearer than Gurley. I think they're both going to be the starting running back. There's no doubt. Gurley, though, with the knee and with Trey Mason, I thought maybe at least this season we'd see a little bit more of a timeshare than I think we will with Gordon. I think Gordon's going to be handed the ball to run. Danny Woodhead will be a third down type of back, pass catcher out of the backfield still. I thought Gordon had a clearer path to the starting role and to really not just the starting role, but to 20 carries a game, I guess you could say. But Gurley went one. He's a better talent. Melvin Gordon went number two. Amari Cooper, wide receiver out of Oakland, trying to pair up a, a, uh, a long-lasting uh, pass-catching combination with Derek Carr. He went number three. So I sat at four, and I addressed my needs. There's a few ways I could have gone, but I felt it was time to take, make the run at the quarterback. Like I said, Mettenberger, who I was counting on this year, maybe to pair with Andy Dalton. That falls apart with the Mariota draft pick. I took Johnny Manziel as my second first-round pick last year. We know what a debacle that's turned out to be, and I knew that was a reach going in. Uh, but I went for it. It looks like it's flopped. All reports are Cleveland's done with Manziel, although this water bottle at the golf course thing is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Uh, I do not agree with people at a, at a stadium or at an event having free reign to say or do whatever they want to an athlete and the athlete having no recourse. The guy slammed down a water bottle. Give me a break. He's 22 years old. But anyway, so with the fourth overall pick, I took Jameis Winston, quarterback out of Tampa Bay. You look at the situation he's got there. He's got weapons, especially at the wide receiver positions with Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson. He is being described as a workaholic during OTAs, which I love. At this point, I still had Andy Dalton in my, on my team. And I said, all right, I'll ride Dalton. Hopefully Winston gets rolling at some point, and I, make, I, I can transition. Shortly after, though, I was offered a trade um, from, I believe, the Fantasy Sharks radio. And they wanted Andre Johnson. And in this type of dynasty format, you kind of got to give up that guy a year or two sooner than maybe you really would like, because otherwise he becomes, you just, you're going to end up cutting him. I didn't want to give up Andre Johnson. My wide receivers are a little thin after Kelvin Benjamin. Through negotiation, though, this is how the trade went down. I was giving up Andre Johnson and Andy Dalton. 
and in exchange receiving Denver Broncos running back C.J. Anderson and Tom Brady. And I said, well, this now is the perfect scenario for my Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston can maybe start for me the first couple of games, first three or four games. Uh, I do have Brian Hoyer on my squad as well, so I could ride that out for a few games. Tom Brady returns after his suspension, still hoping that suspension gets overturned uh, or, or knocked down to two games. And now I've got Tom Brady, and I now have C.J. Anderson and Matt Forte as my two running backs. I do own Monty Ball as well. I have Danny Woodhead. We're allowed to use up to three running backs in this league. I have Shane Vereen. So I feel comfortable suddenly, much more comfortable than I did on draft day with these two running backs. C.J. Anderson, a second-year player. Forte, still super effective, but getting a little older. So now I've got my, 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 my veteran. I've got a young guy, both currently still dynamic. But you could see now C.J. Anderson still on the rise. I feel good about that. Monty Ball, a nice little handcuff. Uh, I would love to finagle a way to get Ronnie Hillman as well. Just lock down the Denver running back situation there. So I made that trade. I also gave up uh, a third-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year. And I also gained a fifth-round pick this year. So I have two picks in the fifth round, which we're not even up to yet in the draft. My second-round pick, I did not have a second-round pick. Again, I acquired nine, I think, seven or eight, nine draft picks last year altogether. I gave up a second-round pick to move up in the draft last year, add some more talent last year. So I didn't have a second. I traded away my third, so I've been basically sitting for the last couple of days. Fourth-round pick comes up today. Like I said, my wide receiver after trading Andre Johnson, my wide receiver position gets a little thin. I have... Kelvin Benjamin is my number one. I have the age of Sanquan Bolden there, who's still solid in a PPR league. Michael Crabtree is gone. I think Bolden will be fine. Kaepernick will lean on him. At that point, I have a couple of Eagles. I have um, Miles Austin, a new Philadelphia Eagle. I have Riley Cooper. I also have Marquise Lee of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hopefully he plays a more prominent role this year. I felt I needed a little more depth at the wide receiver position. I was offered a trade for the fourth overall pick, Tavon Austin of the St. Louis Rams. Now, listen, he has not nearly lived up to his first-round hype two years ago, but the new Rams uh, coaching staff plans on getting the ball into his hands more, whether as a pass catcher, uh, running the ball out of the backfield, kick return as well, all of those yards play. This is a guy who could be my third third wide receiver potentially, gave up a fourth-round pick, I'll survive without that pick. And now I move forward with two fifth-rounders and a sixth-rounder, maybe find the linebacker or something to stabilize the defense. But then after I went at number four with Jameis Winston, and I explained my whole draft to you, um, <clears throat> Nelson Agholar, wide receiver out of USC, went number five. Kevin White, he's playing for the Eagles now. That would explain why he's going so high. The Eagle wide receiver situation we know is wide open. You've got Jordan Matthews, who you figure is going to be the number one. The two, men, two guys I mentioned, Miles Austin, Riley Cooper, and now Agholar, uh, the rookie out of USC, going there. Number six went Kevin White of, to the Bears. Number seven this is where it gets interesting because you start seeing the running backs go. TJ Yeldon went number seven in a rookie-only draft. Uh, not much competition there in Jacksonville. Denard Robinson was good at, in spurts. Toby Gerhardt proved what he is last year. He's a backup. Yeldon should get some opportunity. I love the pick at number eight, Kevin Coleman 
who, who is now with the Atlanta Falcons. Coleman, uh, they've come out and said it's going to comp- be a competition between Tevin Coleman, Devonta Freeman, Stephen Jackson gone, uh, Jacquez Rogers gone. It's Coleman and Freeman. They're both going to get touches. Coleman at number eight in the first round could be solid. Marcus Mariota at number nine. Devontae Parker, wide receiver to Miami. It's a crowded, crowded wide receiver situation there. He goes number 10 to Rathburn of Roto Curve. Amir Abdullah, rookie running back of Detroit, goes number 11. Okay, with Joyke Bell there, Abdullah should get some playing time. Number 12, love this pick as well, Brashad Perryman. Uh, going a rookie for the Baltimore Ravens. He goes number 12. Torrey Smith is gone. Steve Smith is getting older. Brashad Perryman, uh, Joe Flacco should make a nice combination for the next few years. Max Williams, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens love their tight end. Last year's tight end with the dislocated hip again. Uh, uh, Max Williams has an opportunity to do some things. Darrell Green Beckham went number 14. Devin Funches went number 15. Carolina's wide receiver. And number 16, uh, the rookie Ajaya, Jay Ajaya, went to uh, Miami Dolphin. going to be interesting how he plays. He was a later-round pick, I believe fourth or fifth-round pick. He goes number 16 overall. Miami, he's going to kind of be in a backup situation there to Lamar Miller. Okay. Uh, some other notable names. Jalen Strong went first pick in the second round. Duke Johnson, the Cleveland Browns rookie running back, went number two. Uh, defensive tackle Danny Shelton went number three. David Johnson, I like this kid as well, at number four in the second round to Arizona with Andre Ellington. Um, Philip Dorsett, Indianapolis, went number six. That's a crowded wide receiver situation there. That might be a situation, thankfully it's a dynasty. you got to wait a year or two to reap the rewards of him. Somebody I loved, and I didn't know when he would go, but he went number eight in the second round, Landon Collins. Uh, eight in the second round in this draft, the first pick of the second round in the regular NFL draft, safety for the Giants. He's going to walk into a starting job with Antrell Roll gone there. Uh, Landon Collins is going to have an opportunity to play and play right away. Um, Sammy Coates. Pittsburgh rookie, he went number 13. Matt Jones, running back to Washington, went number 14. So some interesting picks. Jets wide receiver Devin Smith out of Ohio State. He was the third pick in the third round. And that followed up with Bryce Petty, uh, the quarterback out of Baylor who went to the Jets. He went fourth pick of the third round. Followed by with the fifth pick in the third round, Leonard Williams, the defensive end who the Jets took in the first round. So, obviously, people lean towards the offense first. Leonard Williams is a superior player to Bryce Petty and Devin Smith, but wide receivers, quarterbacks, go before a defensive end in an individual, even in an individual defense, uh, fantasy league, individual defense league. Vic Beasley of Atlanta went number eight in the third round. Shaq Thompson, linebacker out of Carolina, went number nine. So, you saw some interesting picks. Uh, you know, some good players went. Shane Ray, linebacker out of Denver, was the third pick in the fourth round. My pick ended up being who I traded away for uh, Tavon Austin. Uh, Rathburn at Roto Curve ended up taking Jake Ryan, uh, linebacker for the Packers. Fifth pick in the fourth round was Garrett Grayson, New Orleans Saints. Hopefully the hair apparent there to Drew Brees. He went in the fifth pick as the fifth pick of the fourth round. And that's really where we're at. We're currently at waiting on the eighth pick of the fourth round. So I actually have to do some work. I got to take a look at who's available now and figure out I got two picks in the fifth, 5.02, 5.04, and then 6.04 to wrap up this rookie draft. 
look for some uh, some helpful players as this draft goes on. Fun draft, fun league, great group of guys. And, uh, you know, you love the dynasty aspect of it as well. So just wanted to give an update on that. For those of you in a fantasy football league and you're looking for some of the rookies that are going to potentially have a, uh, an impact this year, you look to these first-rounders, right? Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper. I wouldn't touch a quarterback in a yearly league. I wouldn't touch Winston or Mariota in a yearly league. Dynasty league, it's a different story. The wide receivers, watch how that plays out. But uh, Kevin White in Chicago should have a starting job lined up. Agola of the Eagles, you know, you know they're going to spread it out and throw the ball around. Monitor the Falcons running back situation with Coleman and Freeman. Devontae Parker of Miami could have an impact. Brashad Perryman of Baltimore, I think, will have an impact. So these are some rookies to keep an eye on. And uh, this is where they went in this serious XM Dynasty League. So hopefully you find that, that useful and helpful as, uh, as you put in your preparation. But now, going forward, it's time to talk some baseball. And uh, it's a fascinating baseball season, if you ask me right now. Uh, we're seeing teams on top we would have never thought. We're seeing teams suffering that we, we didn't think we would su- suffer this year. There's no doubt about that. Only one game on the slate today, actually three games on the slate, two of them completed, uh, one currently in action. Let's go through the games that are over, though. Baltimore defeated the Houston Astros today 3-2. to two. Uh, winning pitcher in this game for Baltimore was uh, we and Chin got the start. Darren O'Day got the win out of the bullpen. Zach Britton his 14th save. Adam Jones hit his seventh home run. RBIs for Jones, Chris Davis, and Steve Pierce. Dallas Keuchel got the start for Houston. He was solid. Six innings, two earned, seven Ks. ZRA actually went up to 185. Chad Qualls got the loss out of the bullpen. Home run for Conger. For the Astros, their backup catcher getting the start today. Uh, no major games to note. Adam Jones, like we said, had three hits. Stephen Pierce had two. Conga had two, including the home run. Um, in other finals today, we had Oakland defeating Detroit today 7-5. to five. Oakland's been not playing well. We know that. Jesse Hahn. Goes seven innings, one earned five strikeouts for the win. Tyler Clippert is ninth stave. Drew Pomerantz comes off the DL, pitches an inning out of the bullpen. Shane Green of Detroit, we talked about him in the beginning of the year. Everybody loved him. Everybody's all excited over Shane Green. Shane Green has come back to earth. Four and a third, six runs, four earned, two strikeouts. His ERA uh, in April was under one. It's now over five. He's been just god-awful. Uh, Collins homered for Detroit, and that was the only big blast on the day. RBIs for Billy Butler, uh, Brett Lowry, Sogard, and so forth for Oakland. And one game in action in the bottom of the seventh, Minnesota and Boston, the first place, or or, uh, Minnesota Twins. Minnesota, Boston tied up at 4-4. Tommy Malone, five innings, two earned, four runs overall. Uh, He got the start. He went five. Stephen Wright of Boston went six innings, three earned. Torrey Hunter hit his eighth home run. For Boston, Dustin Pedroia and Swihart, their catcher, both went yard. Pedroia uh, for their RBIs. Torrey Hunter has three RBIs on the day. Everything else is on to, is going on later this evening, so just be aware of that. Just giving you a heads up on what's going on. Now, there is a lot of news in baseball, and we start with the trade that went down yesterday. Mark Trumbo traded from uh, traded to the Seattle uh, Seattle Mariners from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Wellington Castillo and some other pieces heading 
to Arizona. I like the trade for Seattle. Don't worry. People have asked me all day, what, what happens to Trumbull's power? Are you concerned about uh, going to Seattle and having his power drained by that big ballpark like, it, like it's happened to Robinson Cano? My answer to that is no, I'm not that concerned. Trumbull's home runs on average travel the ninth farthest distance in baseball. He is not a Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano is a tremendous hitter. He's slumping right now. I get that. But he's a tremendous hitter and not necessarily a power guy. His power played because he was playing in Yankee Stadium. Trumbo is like Nelson Cruz, maybe Nelson Cruz light, a pure, pure power bat who can hit the ball out of any park. It doesn't matter where it is. So he's going to Seattle, and he's having a nice season coming in. He's got nine homers, 23 RBIs. Okay, he's batting 259 on the season. Doesn't walk much, probably strikes out a little too much. His strikeout rate's over 20%. But he's going to slide into that middle of that lineup in Seattle, and he's going to provide some pop. AL only league, obviously you're spending a lot of money on him and your fab budget to pick him up. Standard league, roll with it. Don't do anything drastic. I would be fine with him. Um, if somebody wanted to sell him because they were afraid of his numbers in Seattle, make a reasonable offer. I think you'd probably get him a little cheaper than you actually should. And I think Trump will be all right. I still see him for 25 home runs, 80 to 90 RBIs, and I think you'll be pleased with that. Um, you know, there's a guy, he's back in the American League West where he's had his greatest success, like he did with the Angels, 29, 32, 34 home runs, 87, 95, 100 RBIs. Uh, solid hitter, good power. It'll play in Seattle. I am not that concerned about it. Um, some injury updates, though, to keep you aware. As we know, Stephen Voigt, Voigt today suffered a leg injury. I have no further, nothing further on that. Uh, but he did leave the game early today for Oakland. Brian McCann's getting an MRI on his foot. Monitor that situation. The one that this one hurts me. Josh Hamilton uh, comes back with swinging the bat well. Hamstring injury. He's going to be out four weeks, and folks, he's droppable. Don't hold on to him, even if you've been holding on to him all year. You know, the hamstring injury, thats you're looking at probably the all-star break or so. It's a long time. He's going to have to go to rehab games. It's a mess. I can't trust him to stay healthy. If you want to drop Josh Hamilton, feel free. Uh, no reason to hold on. You've survived probably this long without him. You'll survive again without him. Uh, Jason Worth, Marlon Bird, both with wrist injuries. Uh, Jason Worth hoping to be back by August 1st. George Solem, outfielder for the Cubs, mild ankle sprain. He went on the DL. Rumors of Javier Baez potentially coming up. Matt Wieters, catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. He's coming off the DL tomorrow, Friday, June 5th, and he is going to catch right away, not easing him in uh, as a DH. They're just throwing him behind the plate. The elbow is fine. took a little longer than they wanted, but the elbow is ready to roll. Um, if Matt Wieters is somehow available, I'd add him because he should be able to give you 15 or so home runs, low batting average, but he's going to catch. Well, he's not catching. He's going to DH, and he's going to hit some power for you. So I would be all over Matt Wieters. He's playing for a contract, so he's got to prove, A, he's healthy, B, he can hit. Um, so I like Wieters going forward as well. All right, but we take a look <clears throat> at some plays you maybe want to keep an eye on, and I'm, I'm, I'm shrinking our time frame here. I'm just looking over the last seven days at some players who might be available in some leagues. You know, Albert Pujols is the top-ranked offensive player over the last seven. He's got six homers, but he's owned. Freddie Freeman's got five. Tulo's got four. He's getting hot. Jock Peterson's been out of this world, as with Paul Goldschmidt. But then you got some other players who could maybe help out. 
in a few different categories. For example, Billy Burns of Oakland. Uh, over his last seven days, he's got two stolen bases, batted 444. He's actually put the ball out of the yard once. But this is a speed guy. He's a get-on-base guy, and he's doing that. Uh, if you need steals, Billy Burns is playing every day. He's hot. I would add him. Kevin Pillar of Toronto, he's been red hot over the last seven days. 471 with three homers, six RBIs. No speed, really, to speak of. No stolen bases. Don't fall all over yourself for Pillar. Uh, I think his high minor league home run number was 10. Not a real power hitter. Uh, he's a borderline 300 hitter in the minors. He's off to a great streak right now. Maybe you want to ride it, but I'm not counting on Kevin Pillar long term. Steven Souza, he's probably owned, although he got off to a slow start. Maybe he got lucky and he was dropped. But I know he's up over 10 home runs now. And he's, over his last seven, he's got four homers and eight RBIs. He's playing very well as well. Chris Carter's starting to heat up. And we told you, don't drop Chris Carter. He was terrible in April and most of May. But over his last seven games, he's batting 444 with three home runs and five RBIs. We saw him do it last year. He gets on a roll. He's going to rake. And he's starting to get on that roll. Eight hits in his last 18 at-bats. Um, Chris Carter, if he got dropped, gobble him up and ride the hot streak while you can. Tampa Bay, Joey Butler. Okay, 10 hits in his last 25 at-bats. Two of them for home runs. He's got a steal. He's playing terrific. Juan Uribe, I don't believe in Juan Uribe, but since the trade to Atlanta, he's got two homers, he's batting 350, but there's Chris Johnson there. He's an NL-only type of player. This one I like. I like Joe Panic of San Francisco. He's sneaky to me. Uh, homer, five RBIs, 370 batting average, 10 for his last 27. Here's somebody who a lot of people gave up on, myself included in April, and now he's starting to, to put up a few numbers there, and that's Adam Eaton. He's given you in the last seven days two home runs and a stolen base. Batting average, though, is low, but his on-base percentage is good at 344. You probably drafted Adam Eaton for his speed. He's giving you some a good on-base percentage, which should translate into stolen bases. Ruben Tejada's won the third-base job while David Wright's out, and we don't know for how long. I'm going to figure most of the season. Don't buy in on Ruben Tejada. As much as he's in 500 over the last seven days, 13 for 26. I've seen enough. Ruben Tejada to know not to see Ruben Tejada. Brandon Phillips, one-time All-Star. He's on a nice little hot streak. He's got a homer in his last seven games. Not crazy about him. Brett Lowry, the never-ending talent that has teased and teased and teased. Well, he's in a teasing stage right now. Two homers, five RBIs, a 364 batting average over the last seven days. What about Joey Gallo? We talked about Joey Gallo last night on the Roto Baller radio show. Um, Joey Gallo has come up in eight at-bats. He's got two homers, five RBIs, a 500 batting average. He's a must-add, okay, especially now, right? He came in when Adrian Beltre went on the DL. He's come up two games. He's raked. You didn't know how long he was going to stay because the truth is he was still striking out almost 40% of the time. It's an astronomical number where Joey Gallo strikes out down in the minor leagues. But now with Josh Hamilton... Uh, going down with the hamstring. There's a room. There's room on the roster for Joey Gallo. So I'm not concerned about him going down. I think he's going to stay up. My only concern is when he cools off, and he's going to cool off. He's not Babe Ruth. But when he cools off, okay, he's going to strike out. This year in 2015 down in AA, he was striking out 33.6% of the time. Last season, he struck out 39.5% of the time. I mean, essentially 40% of the time. And even this year, in his limited at-bats, in nine plate appearances, he has struck out 
44.4%. I think yesterday he went batted four times, three Ks, and then a big home run late. That's what you're going to get for Joey Gallo. I don't like him in a points league. In a rotisserie league, he's fine. You'll deal with the strikeouts, and you'll love the home runs. All right? Um, So those are some players right now who are raking and you should be all in on. And uh, and ride with them. I mean, Will Middlebrooks is batting three thirty three over his last seven. Johnny Giovatelli is batting four hundred over his last seven. Uh, Endar Inciarte, he's got a couple of stolen bases over his last seven. So there are players out there who can help you short term if you're dealing with these injuries. Vote McCann, Hamilton, Worth, Bird, um, George Chalet. These are all players who can help you out uh, offensively. Ride the hot streak and uh, and hope it lasts is really what I would say to that. All right, when you look at some pitchers over the last couple of games, uh, I like to look at pitchers a little bit wider. I'll go last 21 days. 21 days, that's about his last day, last three or four starts. And right now the number one pitcher in fantasy baseball over that time is Jacob deGrom. 34 strikeouts in 29 innings. He's 3-0. and His ERA is on the one. He's been lights out, proving that his rookie of the year season is no fluke. Um... You know, but there are pitchers out there who could be available. Arasmio Ramirez of Tampa Bay. 23 innings. He's got 20 Ks. He's 3-1, and one, a 3.13 ERA. That's over four games started. He's looked very well over the last few weeks. Uh, Mark Burley is pitching well. We know how streaky Burley could be. Burley's 2-2 two and two with a thir- uh, in 33 and a third innings. ERA under three. Trevor May of Minnesota. Last four games started, 26 and two-thirds innings. He's 2-0, 338 ERA, 26 Ks and 26 and two-thirds innings. Chad Bettis of Colorado. He's got a two-star week coming up. In his last five games started, 33 and a third. He's 2-0, 27 Ks and 33 innings. Pitching to a 2-7-0 ERA. So these pitches are hot over the last couple of weeks. You may want to jump on board. Lance McCullers of Houston. They brought him up recently. He's really fit in nicely as the number three starter in Houston. Over his last four games started, 24 innings. He's 2-0, and 1-8-8 ERA. Only six walks to 29 strikeouts in those 24 innings. Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals, and I argue with my friend Real Talk Raph over on Roto Baller Radio about Carlos Martinez. Carlos Martinez, uh, over the last 21 days, has four starts, 25 and a third innings. He's 2-1. 29 strikeouts in 25 innings, only nine walks, .71 ERA, a whip just a tad over one. So these are all some guys. Carlos Carrasco, 29 innings over his last uh, over the last 21 days. 29 innings, four games started, three and one, 2.79 ERA. Again, 32 strikeouts, 29 innings. I love that K rate. You give me uh, one K per nine innings, I am all in on that guy. That's for sure. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is writing himself. That's good to see. Garrett Cole's been tremendous. Max Scherzer, Chris Archer. Somebody asked me yesterday about Chris Archer. Should you be concerned because of the Tampa Bay offense? My answer is no. Rule number one about starting pitching is don't chase a win. You can't control that. But even with that philosophy, over the last 21 days, Chris Archer has pitched 27 in the third innings, four starts. He's 3-0, 39 strikeouts in 27 innings. Only five walks, an ERA of .99. His whip is .84. He's been terrific. <clears throat> He's the number three starter over that, the last 21 days, uh, behind only DeGrom and Chris Sale. Chris Archer is an ace. He's the new ace of the Tampa Bay staff. Uh, ride with him. Don't worry about the offense. 
He may lose a couple of games two to one. You don't get the win, but you're still going to get a boatload of other categories. Uh, veteran Ryan Vogelsong of the San Francisco Giants. I've the past couple of years, I always seem to add him because he is effective, at least for a short term, maybe a two-start week against the right opponent. Well, over the last 21 days, he's gotten gone 23 and two-thirds innings. He's three and one, 228 ERA, 17 strikeouts in 23 innings. It's not terrible by any way, shape, or form. Dan Harron, two-star week next week. Now, he's not wowing anybody. He's not the same Dan Harron we grew up watching who was throwing 90-plus. But Dan Harron, two-star week coming up. Like I said, he's 2-0 and in his last four games. 18 Ks, only six walks, 2-3-6 ERA. It's basically the best thing the Marlins got going outside of John Carlos Stanton. Uh, Jesse Chavez has pitched very well. He's pitching to a 1-6-1 ERA over his last 28 innings. Hector Santiago of the Los Angeles Angels. Last 26 innings, 21 strikeouts, 3-1-2 ERA. If you haven't already, Sean Tolleson is the closer now of Texas, and he has looked terrific in his last eight and a third innings. He's gotten six saves, ten strikeouts, only two walks, yet to give up a run. Tolleson, <clears throat> Neftali Feliz, I doubt will get that job back. Tolleson is the guy to add. Drew Hutchinson has been annoying all year, inconsistent, up, down, and all around. But in his last 27 innings, he's got 25 strikeouts uh, and a 3-3-3 ERA. His whip is under one over those last four games in 27 innings. Um, so these are some pitchers here who can help. Kyle Hendricks has been okay for the Cubs. I actually added him for this week for a two-start week. Took the loss in week one, gave up four runs, but he did give me seven strikeouts, so I was pleased. Last 27 and two-thirds, he's given gotten 25 strikeouts, 3.25 ERA. He's 1-1. One one. Remember, don't chase the wins, folks. It's a recipe for disaster. Uh, I'm just telling you, I don't believe in it. Look at the K rate. Follow the K rate. If you're getting a K per nine, you've got a pretty good pitcher on your hand, and you're going to be okay with these guys. So follow that K rate. Jaime Garcia of the Cardinals. I have been a big fan of Jaime Garcia. He's been effective when healthy. He's never going to stay healthy. That shoulder is held together by rubber bands. But in his last three games, 20 innings, he's 1-2, and two, only 12 strikeouts, but he's pitching to a 2.7 ERA. So these are some guys, and they're out there. These are, they are out there. They're available and to help. You know, maybe you've lost James Paxton to injury or some of the other guys who have recently gone down. Don't forget Masahiro Tanaka has just come back. But maybe, uh, you know, you've lost James Paxton or someone else to injury, and you need to fill a void. Now, speaking of injury and some pitchers maybe you want to keep an eye on, there are pitchers out there who are going to be coming back from injury, specifically Tommy John surgery. Uh, Patrick Corbin is the first one, and I, I've rostered a few of these guys. Everybody talks about Jose Fernandez coming back. He's the guy everybody wants, and, and understandable, but he's walking into a terrible situation right now in Miami. But Patrick Corbin... <clears throat> Uh, in 2013, before he got hurt, he he was pitched to a 14 and 8 record. Excuse me, <coughs> 14 and 8 record in 32 starts, 208 innings pitched. <clears throat> he pitched to almost a, uh, eight strikeouts per nine innings, <clears throat> only two walks per nine, gave up less than a home run per nine innings. Bat against him was okay at 283. He was effective. 
He's going to be back soon. Starting rehab right now for Arizona. Corbin is the number one, other than Jose Fernandez. Corbin is the number one guy I like out there. He's going to go right into that rotation. That Arizona starting rotation is a mess. They need him. Archie Bradley's been terrible. Josh Kalmenter's been impersonating a number one starter. Um, but So Corbin is the guy to go with. Uh, if you have room on a DL or you have a bench spot that's just killing uh, killing space, Patrick Corbin is not a bad way to fill that space if you're looking for a second-half starter. Uh, Matt Moore of the Tampa Bay Rays also coming back from Tommy John. He had his first rehab start. And what concerns you about Matt Moore is his walk rate. And Matt Moore in his first rehab start looked okay, but he walked five batters. Now, we haven't seen Matt Moore really since 2013. In 2014, he had two starts last year before he got hurt. So I, I can't even look at that. Now, Matt Moore in 2013, he did win 17 games in 150 innings. Struck out 8.5 batters per nine. But he walked four and a half batters per nine. And that was his track record through the minor leagues. You know, 2011 down in AAA, he struck out 13 and a half batters per nine, but he walked three. Uh, he's always struck out double-digit batters per nine throughout his entire minor league career, but his walk rate has been traditionally high. Like Matt Moore, not as much as Patrick Corbin. I do like Matt Moore a little bit. He's going to give you strikeouts. I don't know what's going to come in terms of wins. Don't chase him. We said it a million times already today. But watch the walk rate. He can hurt you with your whip because of the walks. So Matt Moore scares me a little bit because of that. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, control is often an issue. And here's a guy who already has control issues. Those control issues can be even worse uh, now with the Tommy John surgery. And finally, coming back soon for the New York Yankees, and they, they could use him, is Ivan Nova. Uh, Ivan Nova, in my view, is an underrated pitcher. Uh, he's been effective, really, whenever the Yankees have been patient enough to give him a shot. You know, 2012, uh, he did win 12 games, pitched to a high ERA, but he struck out eight batters per nine. Then in 2013, you saw things start to come together for him. 2011, he went 16-4 and four to a three, uh, an ERA just on the four. 2012, he got hit around a little bit. But then 2013, in 20 starts, he went 9-6. and six. Pitched with 3.10 ERA, uh, uh, .58 home runs per nine, seven and a half Ks per nine, almost three walks per nine. Uh, Ivan Nova ranks third on that hit list for me. But again, when they come back, they should all be rosterable. And here's the thing: if you wait for them to come back, they might not be available. You may have to make the ad now. Find some dead weight. It's June. It's June. Find some dead weight on your roster, somebody who you think is going to bust out, but <clears throat> just truthfully hasn't. And maybe you take a flyer on one of these guys. Justin Verland is starting a rehab assignment. He should be come back as well. I don't know what to expect from him. He's had two down years in a row. But I like these injured pitchers coming back. Matt Harvey has been good, not great, coming back from the Tommy John surgery. Jose Fernandez will be back as well. So there are impact arms. You just have to be proactive. If they're out there, grab them, store them, and then, and then move forward with them uh, as the season progresses and, and they come off their team's DL. 
All right, next thing I want to look at before we wrap up, and I can't believe I've been blabbering for 40 minutes, and thank you for listening uh, to the show, whether live or on demand. Hopefully you're finding some useful stuff coming out of my mouth here today. Uh, I do appreciate it. Sorry about my throat there. Allergies are uh, clogging me up. All right, but next week, as we know, I believe it's week 10 of the fantasy baseball season already, and we always like to take a peek ahead at some of the two-star pitchers that can make or break you. We know that. And there are some studs who are going to be starting two games uh, starting next, what would that be, next Monday. Next Monday, I believe, would be the 8th of June. So we're looking at that week from the 8th of June through the – what is that, the 14th, the 13th? I'm not very good with calendars. You're looking at the 8th of June through Sunday the 14th. That would be the two-star week period. And, you know, like I said, you got some studs. You got Corey Kluber going against Seattle and Detroit. Obviously, he's starting Kluber. He's been red hot, 29 strikeouts in his last 23 innings. Max Scherzer going against the Yankees in Milwaukee, both on the road. Who cares? Uh, you're going to roll with him. Chris Sale's been great. In his last three, he's two and one, 35 strikeouts in 22 in a, uh, in a, a third innings in his la- over his last three starts. ERA of 1.19, only three walks to those 35 strikeouts. James Shields of the Padres has been very good as well. He's got two starts. Cole Hamels on the road at Cincinnati and at Pittsburgh. Now again, I don't know if you're going to get the wins out of Hamels, but. His last three starts, he's pitched to a 1.96 ERA and 22 strikeouts in 23 innings. John Lester. Lester's been a little bit of a disappointment this year. There's no doubt about it, but he's got two starts at Detroit and versus Cincinnati. You're going to play him. You drafted him probably as your number one or number two starter. But for reference, last three games, he's pitched to a 4.26 ERA. Basically a strikeout per inning, though, with 18 Ks and 19 innings. Sonny Gray, he's my new man crush. Doesn't get nearly the respect he deserves. He's got two one at home against Texas, one in L.A. against the Angels. Last three starts, 3-0, .86 ERA, 16 Ks, 21 uh, innings, only three walks, a .86 ERA, and 3-0 for a terrible Oakland A's team. Uh, Sonny Gray is a fantasy stud and a fantasy ace. Shelby Miller has been terrific all year. Last three, he's pitched with 3-6-3 ERA, but he's got good matchups. He's home against San Diego, and he's at the Mets. You know, San Diego, who scares you offensively there um, other than Justin Upton? Matt Kemp hasn't done much. And against the Mets, you pitch everybody against the Mets. You may lose one nothing, but because of the Mets pitching, but he's going against the Mets and Bartolo Colon. You know, Colon's solid. He's going to give up three runs. Shelby Miller has a chance to win that game. A.J. Burnett, he's gone at home against Milwaukee and Philadelphia. His last three, he's gotten three wins, but he's pitched through a four five eight ERA, striking out 21 batters on 17 innings. Uh, he's got two good matchups, though. He's going up against Philadelphia and Milwaukee, both at home. Neither of those offenses scare you. I'm going to roll with A.J. Burnett and the Pittsburgh Pirates in both of those games. Phil Hughes of the Minnesota Twins, he hasn't been effective uh, and he's got Kansas City and at Texas. Texas is hitting the ball. Prince Field has been just flat-out raking. Joey Gallo, Shinsu Chu's been better. Uh, Kansas City's probably the best team in baseball right now. Phil Hughes, only 10 strikeouts in his last 18 innings. Uh, he's pitching to a five-and-a-half year right. I'm staying away from Phil Hughes. John Lackey, 2-1, two 284 ERA over his last three. 
16 Ks over 19 innings. Now, he's got a couple of matchups that maybe would scare you. He's going at Colorado, and he's home versus Kansas City. Now, we all know about at Colorado, but, <coughs> you know, who's hitting in Colorado? Really, Tulowitzki's warming up, but Colorado's been a disappointment. Uh, St. Louis is the best team in baseball. Kansas City, tough matchup. I'll roll with John Lackey. Dan Harron of, of the Marlins, he's got two at Toronto and home against Colorado. Home against Colorado makes him a must-star. Colorado doesn't hit at home. And he's got a 2-4-1 ERA over his last three starts, 2-0 and in 18 and two-thirds innings. Hector Santiago against Tampa and Oakland. I'm starting him in those matchups. Um, they're both pitchable teams. Tough matchup in the second one against Oakland. He's going up against Sonny Gray, but I like Santiago. Nick Martinez, he got lit up in his last start. I mean, lit up bad. He's got Oakland and Minnesota. You know, beginning of the year, Minnesota would have been one of those teams that I would have said you would have played your pitchers against, but I was wrong. Minnesota can hit. Minnesota can hit. And here's Nick Martinez, 15 Ks in his last 17 and a third, 5-7-1 ERA. He's 1-2. He's coming back to earth. I'm going to avoid one on the road, one at home, uh, uh, but against Minnesota, I'll avoid Nick Martinez. Mike Bolsinger of the Dodgers has two starts. Arizona and at San Diego, I'll roll with him. He's been great. Arizona doesn't scare me that much, although the trade for for Trumbo uh, intrigues me a little bit because of the way it opens up playing time. It moves Yosemite Tomas, who's been just a phenomenal hitter, will allow him to move to the outfield within Ciate and A.J. Pollock. Gives Jake Lamb back third base when he comes off the DL. And we said this in the preseason. Lenny Melnick said it. I said it with Real Talk Ref. Anybody we talked about, Diamondbacks are going to have to move Trumbo, and they did. And uh, Tomas is hitting, so it makes sense. But I like Bold Singer a little bit here against Arizona and San Diego. You could do worse than him for a two-start week. Miguel Gonzalez of Baltimore against Boston and the Yankees. Uh, both of them in Baltimore. Neither of the offensive scare me. Uh, if you're desperate, I could go with Miguel Gonzalez. Lance McCullers, he's at the White Sox, and he's home versus Seattle. Listen, you've got to buy in on Houston at this point, don't you? 24 strikeouts in 19 and a third innings in his last three starts, a 1.86 ERA, only three walks, all in on McCullers. Uh, CBS Sportsline, he's only 75% owned. I don't get that. The guy has been terrific. Add him and use him next week. Ruby De La Rosa of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Two games on the road, the Dodgers and the Giants. I'm staying away. He's pitched to an 8-4-4 ERA over his last three. Chris Henson of the Giants, he's come back to earth. Last three, he's pitching to a 5-9-4 ERA. He's coming to New York to match up against Noah Syndergaard and then Arizona. But I'm going to stay away. He hasn't been effective. Uh, Nathan Collins of Tampa Bay. Not very effective. Uh, Angels, White Sox, I'll stay away. Desclafani uh, of the Reds, he's going to face against Philadelphia. I like that. I don't like him at the Cubs. I'm going to stay away, as tempting as the Philadelphia matchup may be. Taiwan Walker of Seattle, 68% owned in sports lines, but he has been better. Last three starts, he's 1-2 and two with a 2.91 ERA, 18 strikeouts to only five walks. He's got two games on the road, though. One against Kluber, where he's matched uh, against Cleveland, where he's matched against Corey Kluber, and one at Houston against Lance McCullers. I want to see how Seattle's playing now after this Trumbo trade before I set a weekly lineup with Taiwan Walker. He's been good, but the road matchups are tough. All right, Houston, we know, can mash. 
I got to look at my roster. If I have better options, if I've got a good one-start week, I'd rather have a very good one-starter against the mediocre two. I do recommend adding Taiwan Walker. I think it's starting to come together a little bit. Um, if you're desperate, go with him. But I, I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm not falling in love with Taiwan Walker just yet. Jimmy Nelson's got two starts. I'm avoiding that. Ian Kennedy, he pitched well the other night against the Mets. But he's at Atlanta, and he's versus the Dodgers. He hasn't been great. I'm letting him sit on my bench unless I'm desperate for strikeouts because he has struck out 19 batters over his last 15 and two-thirds. Mike Leake against the Phillies and the Cubs. Chad Bettis of Colorado, we spoke about him. He's got St. Louis and at Miami. He's pitched to a 1-2-1 ERA in his last three, 19 Ks and 22 innings. I'd roll with Bettis. St. Louis can hit, but Miami doesn't scare me as long as he can avoid John Carlos Stanton. Jason Vargas, Marco Estrada, and Brad Hand finish out the two-star pitchers. And not very inspiring, that's for sure there. I'd, I'd stay away from all of them, to say the least. Hand, uh, four strikeouts in his last 11 innings, one six four ERA at Toronto and Colorado. But uh, I need to see more from Brad Hand to the side if I want to add him and, and activate him this upcoming week. Okay, folks, so there you have it. There's your two-star pitchers going into Fantasy Baseball Week 10. Some of them useful. You did some nice depth there as I'm collecting my thoughts. There's some nice depth there and um, to utilize as you, as you uh, go forward with that. You know, closer situation, we talked about Tolleson. Uh, he's kind of taken over that job. Some other closers you may want to monitor. Fernando Rodney's been terrible in Seattle. Uh, Carson Smith, the young kid, he would be the next in line if Fernando Rodney he loses this, his job. Keep an eye on that. Sean Doolittle back on the DL for the A's. Tyler Clippard, somebody to grab a hold of for Oakland. He's going to pretty much be closing things out there. Um, Addison Reed, Brad Ziegler. The Seattle closer situation is a mess. Uh, injuries and ineffectiveness has really rendered them uh, you're desperate if you have to go with any of those guys. Those are a few closers to monitor. Greg Holland hasn't been great for Kansas City. If you told me you wanted a roster weight Davis, it would make sense. Handcuff him. Uh, if you own Holland or if you don't own Holland and you feel, you know what, things could change here, Davis can maybe take over if Holland doesn't get it going. Then go for it. I have no, you know, and the truth is, Wade Davis, and I said this about Dylan Patances last year, and I'll say it about Dylan Patances this year. If he's going to pitch four or five games a week and give you two strikeouts and outing, I'll take, you know, five innings, eight Ks, no earned runs. It's a solid start by a middle reliever in your lineup. So I'm all for that. I have no issue with somebody doing that, grabbing a Wade Davis or a Dylan Patances. Really, to my view, the two premier eighth inning guys out there and, and utilizing them. The, the benefit of that eighth-inning guy who dominates is probably better, uh, a better option than that low-end starting pitcher. I don't know, like I'm, I'm in New York, so I'll say a Jonathan Neese or a Dylan G, who have both been just getting lit up. Dylan G got lit up in his return yesterday. You know, they gave you five innings, five earned runs, and three Ks in their one start. Well, Wade Davis gave you five individual innings and no earned runs and eight Ks. I'd rather have that dominant eighth-inning guy uh, way more useful, and it's going to keep your whip down, your ERA down, give you a few Ks, and maybe you sneak a win. Maybe you sneak a win there. 
uh, before it's all said and done. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know I was uh, I talked a lot, and I thank you for if you chose to listen. I do appreciate it. As I uh, flew a solo mission on this Thursday, June fourth, want to thank you all for listening, whether live or on demand or on iTunes. Don't forget you can uh, subscribe and download, and please do rate the Anthony Ariano Fantasy Sports Show on iTunes. I do appreciate all the feedback. Uh, I will be returning next Wednesday night. That would be Wednesday, June 10th, I do believe, uh, with my normal 7.30 start time. have a few potential guests lined up. It should be interesting who I could get on the show with us, but we'll have some fun there as well. Uh, that airs every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio, 7.30, 8.30. And then Wednesday nights, 9.30 to 10.30. You can also catch me with my good friend Real Talk Raph on Roto Baller Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, I'm a proud associate, a proud member, employee, I guess you should say, of both rotoballer.com and draftvalet.com. So make sure you check out both of those terrific sites. Follow them on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Fantasy. That's A-A-N-I-A-N-O Fantasy. Follow the show on Facebook at the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. And, um, you know, and as always... Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show is brought to you by the Dynasty Sports Empire.com and is also a proud member of the Fantasy Sports Podcast Association. Everybody, thanks for listening. Hope you've had a great week and have a great weekend. And we'll see you all next Wednesday night. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.